friends, and thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. On today's show, we're going to interview Austin FC goalkeeper Brad Stuber. We'll also cover a few other pieces of Austin FC news, including a couple of player signings. My name is Landon Cottom. I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. And Landon, I want to talk about your Sunday morning on Twitter <laughs> and how that shook out. It was an eventful morning for me on Twitter on Sunday. Uh, so I think I may need you to help me with the timeline here a little bit. But um, Sunday morning, listener, a listener of the show named Curran sends me a, a DM on Twitter and like it's a screenshot of the uh, MLS app and it's the roster page of Austin FC, which I don't think was there before. I think that's new. And so he sends me a picture and he's like, hey, I noticed that it lists Brady Scott as on loan. Did we know that? Like, is that something we knew? And I was like, uh, no, that is absolutely not something we knew. And so I tweet that screen. I, I took my own screenshot and checked it out. I was like, yeah, it says that Brady Scott has been loaned out. And that's, some, that's something we've talked about on the show, right? Is that like looking at how we're going to create more senior roster spots and all this, like Brady Scott was like the number one candidate for us as far as like who we thought might be loaned out. He's a young promising keeper, but he's probably not going to get many chances to play this year. And so, yeah, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Cool. And so I tweet that. People start talking about it. We're uh, going through all of our conspiracy theories about how we're going to fill these senior roster spots and how many we have left. Um, and then, okay, how do I put this delicately? Uh, new information. You receive new information from an official source. There you go. That's yeah. good. Saying that that is definitely not the case, that there was a mistake on the roster uh, and that Brady Scott has not been loaned out. So um, I, it then, I then found another roster page on uh, MLS, on the MLS website where, so this is the page that we've looked at a lot for other teams, right? Like listing out senior roster spots and all of that kind of stuff. Looking there, um, I think there's quite a few things that aren't entirely correct on here. So um for one thing, it lists Rodney Redis as an unavailable player. Um, there's some players listed as supplemental that I don't think can actually be supplemental and vice versa. And so I don't think we can put much stock into this page for the time being. I don't know if it's a thing where this page is not supposed to be live yet or or what the deal is, but um, apparently we can't trust it right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got really excited in it and then I uh, looked at it again and I think there's a guy that like actually plays for Nashville that was listed on our roster. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a little disappointing, but yeah, it was clearly the greatest roster excitement since that like 4 hours Roddy Redis wasn't on uh, <laughs> our roster for a while. And then I didn't so I didn't have the app. So my theory is it was like a a conspiracy theory to get people from Austin to download the MLS app because it wasn't on the actual website, right? Like it was only, it was, I think it was the only like the in-app version of it. Correct. Yeah. It was the in-app version. Cause I checked the desktop website as well and it wasn't listed on there. Um, although so, there is this other page on the MLS website that I don't know how to navigate to it. I tried to navigate to it and couldn't find it, but another listener posted it, uh, in that thread on Twitter to get to this other page, which, yeah, I, my guess is that, like, this isn't supposed to be posted yet. And so some of it's just wrong. 
but it made for a very fun and exciting morning on Twitter for a lot of people that are way, way too into this. <laughs> so in short, we still know nothing about who's designating what roster spots and how many senior spots we have left. So we'll have to wait another few weeks to to finally get that confirmed. Uh, anyway, let's uh, move on to some other roster things that we do know for sure now. Uh, something that we mentioned last week, which was just rumored and is now official, is Jean Kolmanich, the 21-year-old 21 Slovenian left back, has now been officially announced as an Austin FC player. Um, one thing that I think is interesting about this move is that it is a loan with an option to buy, um, which I think is a good move for something like this. What do you think about that? Do you, do you think that's the right thing to do? Yeah, I think that's the right thing to do, too. Um because we know so little about it. I thought the most interesting thing for me was sort of the difference in opinion between what Maribor uh, posted on their site about what this deal was and what Austin was, because I believe that the uh, Slovenian club's website called it a lucrative transfer, which Austin FC called a loan with an option to buy. And I think maybe it was Chris Bills or somebody followed up to, uh, on like the difference between the two characterizations of that deal and confirmed that it was actually like a loan with an option to buy. Um, and we'll talk about this in a minute, but you know, this is a player acquisition mechanism that we have not taken advantage of before. And then we basically, I mean, in some way, like we did, we did twice in the same day, right? Cause this is one of two loans that we actually did that day, but it, yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense knowing what we know about him. And, you know, if he comes in, he's successful, then there's an option to buy there. Yeah, in a lot of ways, I feel like it matches what has happened in converse with MLS players have gone to, Europe, right? Like with Jordan Morris and Ariola and some others where they were loaned out. And if they succeeded, then, then they could be bought and it would work out for everybody. And if not, like, unfortunately for Jordan Morris, then, you know, nobody like no harm, no foul on that. So it seems like a smart move for Austin FC to me. Yeah. And I think uh, another thing to point out is you see a lot of moves like this these days, right? I feel like the last few years in, not just in, in MLS, but in other leagues as well, you've seen quite a few like of these loans with an option to buy things. And I think it's, um, it's a smart move for the buying team. If you can get it, um, to, to be able to kind of kick the tires for a year. And I, I think it was room. We don't have this confirmed, but I think one of the rumors I saw was like $1.75 million or something would be the transfer fee could be entirely wrong, but that's the only rumor we have to go off of. But, um, instead of spending that money now you can do the loan. Essentially all you're on the hook for is his salary for this season. And so even if they know right now that they want to buy him, you can kind of push that extra expense down the line and use that as, um, as far as just kind of like balancing roster budget and all of that for this season, you can push that expense, like kind of kick that can down the road a little bit and give yourself a little more flexibility on how you're building this season's roster. So, um, it looks like Kolmanich is going to stay with Maribor until March 15th. So, just a few more days and play. I think he has one more game left with them and then he'll be coming to Austin. I think they're still working on uh visa stuff and things like that, but um, doesn't, doesn't seem to be anything that, sh that should get delayed or held up or anything like that. Um, is, is that our sixth international slot filled? Yeah, that should be our, that, that would be our sixth player. And I, you know, the one thing um, just on the move, cause I know like even Pochettino is still, waiting on his visa stuff to be worked out. I think it's kind of shows his role in the club. It's not like they're dying if they don't have him in on day one and, you know, in training with the team because 
I would imagine Ben Sweat's still the starter on opening day, you yeah. know, at left back, but that, that's a chance to like work him into the club and see over the long term how he how he works out. Yeah. Uh, something else we talked about last week is whether or not he will fill that U twenty two initiative slot. Still don't have any more information on that. And the U twenty two initiative has not even been officially announced by MLS yet. So <laughs> I think there's probably some details about that that we'll still find out in in the coming coming month or so before the season starts, right? We have to feel, find out before then. Yeah, it's it's gets closer every day. It's kind of crazy. So so that was the first that was in Anthony Precourt. It's hard to keep up with the smoke tweets, but I think I have this timeline down right. So there was like a tweet which promised a player in 24 hours, which was, and then it got to like 25 and everybody got super stressed out, but eventually <laughs> it turned out to be him. And then, um, then there was a second smoke tweet that said, and another one or another something one to like come. That. Yeah. Something like that. And so who was that? Uh, it was a very, uh, I was surprised. I don't think anybody was expecting this one, but it ended up being Sebastian Burhalter, who is a 19 year old defensive midfielder from Columbus and United States national team, coaches coach Greg Berhalter's son. So, uh, yeah, I was very surprised by this. Um, and yeah, it's, I mean, it makes sense on, on some levels. He played under Wolf at the crew, uh, Josh Wolf and Greg Berhalter have been partners in crime for many years now and have known each other since they were both kids playing. And so, I think it makes a lot of sense for Berhalter. Also, Columbus is stacked this year. Uh, Sebastian was not going to get playing time in Columbus. They have, they're have they really deep in midfield. He wasn't going to get that time. So makes a lot of sense. Um, as far as making sense for Austin, I think another thing we've talked about on the show, the two positions that we've mentioned recently were left back and defensive mid. Those were spots that we really wanted to see some more depth, right? So boom. Slovenian left back, and then we still needed that defensive mid. Here comes Sebastian Burhalter to fill that spot. So um, I I liked it. I like this move on a lot of levels. Uh, I think A, like I just mentioned, provides depth for Ring at the six. Um, he's he's played MLS minutes and he he does a decent job. He's so he's good enough to play when called on, but he's also still young and will be completely fine with being a backup. He's not gonna get disgruntled because he's not getting enough minutes. Um so I think that's kind of ideal whenever you have a locked in starter like like Alex Ring, where you want his backup to be okay with being a backup and to kind of like learn from him and kind of fight for those minutes he's going to get, but knows kind of knows his place there. Uh, another thing, an, another box it kind of ticked for me is there's a certain subset of Columbus Crew Twitter who likes to just troll any Austin FC tweet at all. And that was pretty fun to read, uh, to read the comment sections whenever they announced that he was coming to Austin. Yeah. And that, that group on that one particularly seemed, I mean, as annoying as always, but legitimately upset about that, you know, more, you know, more so than you see, usually they're like, Oh yeah, yeah, you just got this person who's like barely good enough to be our backup or whatever. But like, maybe they actually saw some potential in Burhalter, which was good. And, um, so the acquisition mechanism is odd and different. So can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, it's a loan, but it's it's not a loan to buy. It's a loan to do <laughs> yeah. something else, which I didn't even know you could do, but I'm yeah. not surprised by knowing MLS. So it is a loan with the option to trade at the end of the season, which um, I've 
listening to extra time and some other like reading reading some articles about it it seems like this is the first deal of its kind in MLS um it's not so different from the deal with Kolmanich like we're going to get him for a season and at the end of the season if we want to buy him then there's probably a set price at which we will be able to buy him at the end of the season um Loans don't happen all that often in MLS just because I think you're limited to one loan per season or something like that. You can only loan out one player per season to an MLS club. Uh, I don't believe they're allowed to play against their parent club, which I think is going to be true for Berhalter. He's not going to be able to play against the crew when we play them. And then, so that'd be interesting to see if uh, say ring is out international duty or injured or whatever. And, we can't play and then we're playing the crew that week and we can't play our backup number six because, because of who he is, but that'll be interesting to see. But also I think another thing that's interesting is that we're paying a little bit of money for this loan. So $50,000 in GAM up front plus an additional $50,000 in GAM, uh, if he meets certain performance benchmarks. So, um, it's not a ton of money and like, Austin being an expansion team, we're a little bit allocation money rich this year. And so that's not too bad. And then uh, the the amount that the trade would be for wasn't announced, but I imagine it's a a, a fixed amount of GAM that they, they agreed upon that um, Austin would be able to trigger if they want to buy him permanently at the end of the year. But um, yeah, I think this is, this is a really good move. One question that I think I know the answer to is, Will he count as a homegrown player for us? Yeah, I agree. He seems like he should, um, because think, he was signed as a he, he was a homegrown he was a homegrown player for Columbus. And as far as I can tell from looking at other expansion teams, um, that designation carries forward. Yeah, I so believe that's be true one. because um, Nashville traded for. Uh, Handwall Abuana from Seattle, and he was a homegrown player, and he is listed as a homegrown player on Nashville's roster. So that designation does follow the player. So I, be- I believe he would count as a homegrown player for Austin, even during this loan season, which I think right now all it means is he's off budget. Like he doesn't count towards our salary budget. It would be very interesting to see. This is one thing I don't know about is if, say, we buy him, like we trade for him, trade allocation money for him at the end of the year and, and exercise that option, and then we sell Sebastian Berhalter to uh, a German club or something, does the homegrown thing still count then? That's a thing I don't know. Um, but essentially, it's it's good good news for Austin. It doesn't take up any, uh, any budget space. Um, as far as what we know about him as a player, he hasn't played a ton of minutes, but he seems to be uh, a pretty solid defensive midfielder. I'm not going to lie and say I've watched a ton of of uh, of his clips. Did you watch any highlights or anything? No, I just I watched like a one minute YouTube video, and that's about it. Which he seemed good from one minute one minute YouTube <laughs> video, but so so did so did Breck Shea from yeah. for ones I've seen. <laughs> All right, um, let's move on to preseason camp. So uh, group training officially started on Monday of this week, although uh, they've been training for several weeks at this point, right? I think the difference in that is 
it was optional before, meaning that if a player didn't want to be in town yet, they didn't have to be. But it seemed like almost all of them were. I think as of last week, there was maybe two or three players missing. Um, one of them being, I think the only one that had been signed for more than a few days that wasn't here was Aaron Schoenfeld. And the rest of them are either waiting on visas or uh, are Sebastian Berhalter and had just been announced. Yep. And then, and we will, uh, Brad Stufer talks about this a little bit. I think sort of the, um, the detail of the schedule, right. Is is I think a little bit different, you know, it's not just like, you know, tr- it's not just the on the field stuff, but it's the video, the meetings, the meals, the, all that kind of stuff probably kicked in today in a way that it had not before. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was, you'll hear that in the interview here in a moment, but I thought that was a really interesting part of it where he, kind of details out what their days look like. But um, these practices are closed. They're being held at St. Edward's University, which is, if you know St. Edward's, it's not a very difficult place to arrive to. Um, I <laughs> I can... How close is it, I Landon? How, conf- exactly how closed? I can confidently say that they will tell you to leave if you try to go watch <laughs> practice. <laughs> How did that work? Did they let you watch a little bit or do they just Yeah, like, I is think there, is there like a guy walking around? What does that look like? If you're just kind of like stepping through and you you hang out for a little bit and watch a few minutes, they'll give you the benefit of the doubt, but if you stand around for too long, they're going to come and tell you to to move it along. <laughs> oh, well, that's too bad. Unless you unless you're I guess a student, they probably can't throw the students off the yeah. Outside of practice, I don't know. Do like, the students care? Do the students like, even know what's going on? Uh, there were some students out there. Okay. Gonna, next week, I'm going to go out like uh, Steve Buscemi. Is that from like 30 Rock? What show is that from where Steve Buscemi oh. is dressed as a teenager holding a skateboard? With his baseball cap on backwards, which yeah. I'm doing right now. So I feel Hello, very... fellow teens. <laughs> yeah. Um, It's an Adam Sandler movie, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I don't know. If you know what Steve Buscemi movie this famous meme is from, like please share it and let us know. Um, so one of the things that people were really excited about was what numbers p- players had on their training kits, which I assume is probably also going to be the numbers that they wear. Yeah, you'd think during so. the regular season, you'd think so. And and I think I don't know if this is all Brian Mangum, but Brian Mangum is very into this, and I think we ended up. <laughs> via Instagram to give the number the numbers for basically every player. Like how do you feel about that? Are you are you super excited about numbers? Um, do you care? I honestly don't care a lot. I know that like there's certain numbers that uh have kind of a, a historical significance and that it is a big deal to have that number on certain teams. Um I am kind of I'm kind of more of the thought that like I don't know, pick whatever number you think is cool. And I I really like in the Mexican League where um, teams are not allowed to have a repeating number all the way through like their youth academies, essentially. And so their youth academies are all wearing these, these crazy numbers. But if one of those guys gets moved, say a 19-year-old, 18-year-old gets moved up to the first team, he has to keep that number. And so he'll be like number 146 starting at left back. 
and that's in the first division of Mexican soccer is it's happening. So I kind of like just weird numbers and do whatever you want, but I understand that there is a lot of tradition behind numbering and, and it means a lot in certain contexts. And I, I think, uh, the one specific one that means a lot at a lot of clubs is the number 10, which it looks like Cecilio is going to be wearing for us. Um, a, do you think like, do you like that he's wearing the number 10 and B, do you think that means anything as far as how he's going to be used on the field? I think that from what I know about tens and how we're going to line up that, that, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a good sign. I mean, my experience has been that that's like, you're the biggest playmaker for any club and basically any, you know, anywhere in the world. So if you look at other other number tens include Pele, Messi, Wayne Rooney, and Neymar. I mean, that's a pretty decent set no, of players know. wearing number ten. You know, <laughs> um, you know when I think about the role that we expect and hope Cecilia to play on the club is the biggest playmaker and biggest name on the side. Like that's the role that I expect him to fill. So that I mean, he seems like the closest thing to a number ten that we have. How, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I think I think there's like two sides to it, right? There's like the cultural significance of the number and then like the soccer significance of the number. And so I think like cultural significance, I like, I've been saying for a while that I hope that Cecilio, I think that, that Wolf should put some responsibility on Cecilio and kind of put pressure on him to be a big part of this team. I think he, he needs that. I think that's going to be something that makes him, um, that can push him to kind of be a really big player for this team and a really good player in MLS. Kind of like what you saw Bob Bradley do with Carlos Vela to come in and be like, you're my guy. If we're going to be good, you're the one who's going to do it. I want to see that kind of pressure be put on Cecilio. I think giving him the number 10 uh, is a part of that. It's saying like he, he played in Argentina. He, so the number 10 means a lot in that country with Maradona wearing that number uh, so he, I think he knows what it means and I, I'm glad that he wanted it. And I'm, I'm kind of glad that that pressure is going to be put on him as far as the soccer side of it. He like, he can play in that position. And I think you're right. He's like, uh, a winger who likes to cut inside. So he is a playmaker. I don't think he's like the stereotypical number 10, but, uh, again, like I said, I don't put a lot of weight in that kind of stuff. So I think from a cultural perspective, I'm I'm happy with it. Um, and then from a soccer perspective, I don't know that it means a ton in this scenario. I had a, I had one other. I'm gonna have two other number things. One that I think is is interesting and very traditional that uh, Austin did not claim is almost always your goalkeeper's number one. Yeah, and Austin does not have a one. And I mean, I think that's meaningful. Um, and what 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 did our keepers end up being to this point? Um, Tarbell is 31, Stuver is 41, and Scott is 28. And then, I don't know, I guess Pulisic probably doesn't have a number right now. Will Pulisic, who is on trial with the team right now, maybe they don't give him a number until he actually gets signed. Yeah, so can you see, I mean, do people change numbers here in the year? Like if we get somebody... If Tarbell, I don't know. Maybe we should say Stuver since we're going to interview him. Maybe maybe we yeah. should be all, all all team Stuver. So Brad Stuver ends up being the number one keeper. Like, does he switch the number one jersey? I don't know. I like. I imagine he could if he really wanted to, but it kind of seems like maybe these guys just like had numbers they liked already and didn't want to mess with it. I don't know. 
And I don't, I don't know how like registration, like if you're actually registered with a certain number and you have to stick with it, I don't know how all that works. And then there's another number thing that just really quickly is going to annoy me until the end of time or until he changes it now. Like why Alex Ring, who is the most stereotypical number six that you could possibly have, <laughs> decided to pick eight and now somebody else has six. Um, Burhalter got number six. Burhalter has six. Like that just seems backwards. Like that that's going to bother me. Like, I think I'm not Ring, a huge number guy, but I think Ring has always to. worn eight. Um, he did it in New York anyway. I don't know if he did before then. And so... That's going to be a thing that like, again, it doesn't, it personally doesn't bother me, but I think it could cause confusion as we're talking about Alex Ring is Austin FC's number six. He's the guy. And they're like, no, no, he wears number eight. He's like, number that's eight. Yeah. not what I meant. <laughs> yeah. And I guess it's probably all okay. Cause I feel like that's a thing that teams have, well, MLS, I mean, in other places have gotten away from a little bit is that like strict um, adherence to the numbering system that was invented in England a long time ago, you know, so it's probably, it's probably going to be okay. But yeah, that, that eight and six thing is one that I find sort of odd. Yeah. One thing I was kind of like thinking about which numbers on the field, like mean a very specific thing. And it's only some of the numbers, right? Like it's kind of like the middle of the attacking part of the field are the only ones that you really use those numbers for anything. Like, so the six is a defensive midfielder. An eight is usually more of like a box to box midfielder. A 10 is kind of the string pulling attacking midfielder. And a nine is a center forward. Uh, technically it's, I think it's like seven and 11 are the wingers. Yeah. The others. Yeah. Nobody uses that. Nobody says like, Oh, he's playing as the number seven today like no i i it's curious to me like why those other ones stuck and other ones That's didn't true. but and that actually holds through all the way right because i feel like four and five are very traditional for center backs too i bet i'm i don't know what our center backs numbers are but i, I mean i could look it up because we have uh, it right in front of us but I bet close is to, five yeah romagna is three uh yeah. and cascante is 18 which was his number in portland as well um, so Jay, again, you're right. That doesn't play out on the wings very much at all. Yeah. So that's, that's your, that's your lesson on numbers. <laughs> it does seem like a lot of the players got the numbers that they've used on their previous teams. Most of them, it does. It seems like they were able to get those. Um, uh, it looks like Rodney didn't get to keep his number, number 22 because Ben sweat outranks him maybe, but <laughs> yeah. Poor guy. Um, so let's talk about preseason we know there's going to be a match on the 19th close to the public um and and close to media too so we got double shut out of that <laughs> and i believe there's another one on the 24th or 25th um but there was another one that was proposed but maybe not really proposed <laughs> uh, so let's talk about the austin bold trying to throw in another another preseason match for austin fc yeah so the bold put out a press statement essentially challenging Austin FC to a game uh, out at the Bold Stadium at Coda. And it was going to be a fundraiser for uh, HAM, which I forget what it stands for, but it's essentially like providing benefits for musicians in town. See, yeah, it's the Health Alliance for Austin Musicians. There you go. It's like health insurance for tour, you know, playing musicians in town that wouldn't be able to get it through an employer or anything like that. Yeah, and then the food bank, which... That's great. That's that's a really great uh, great idea as far as having a fundraiser goes. Um, 
And then in follow-up tweets, the bold raised the stakes by saying that they offered to light the uh, the famous tower out at the Coda racetrack to light it up Verde for a month if Austin FC wins, and then offered to pick up the bar for Austin FC supporters, pick up the bar tab for Austin FC supporters at Easy Tiger if Austin FC wins. So it came out like it first came out and we were like, is this for real? Like is Austin FC in on this? Is this actually going to happen? And uh, the further it went on, we kind of got an answer to that. Didn't we? Yeah. Unfortunately. Well, I mean, for me, unfortunately, and this is something I would love opinions of, of different people. Cause I feel like there are wildly varying opinions of people depending, depending upon like how deeply involved you were in the political process and stuff. But yeah, from everything we can tell, it was a it's a it's a stunt that uh, that will not come to pass. I think Bills tweeted maybe an hour or two after that that I think the bold had like issued the challenge Thursday morning and then like decided to already publish it on Thursday afternoon, maybe before you know. I don't think they ever actually talked to anybody at Austin FC about it. Um, and then uh, uh, Mike Craven, the new. Uh, soccer beat writer at the Statesman for Austin FC also said that it's like not possible and it's too late and everything's already planned and it's not going to happen. Yeah. So is this, is this something that you would have wanted to see? Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, yeah, for sure. Um, I think any opportunity to see Austin FC play a match in person in a stadium is like really exciting to me. And then, yeah, I mean, there's this rivalry that has kind of born out of politics that, that, I think is that carries on that I'd love to see him. I would hope, I don't know. I don't know what the win is it for Austin FC, right? Because like, I would hope that we would crush the bold and that would be like an expected outcome. And I don't know what the upside for them would be out of that, but it would be a lot of fun to go out to bold stadium in Southeast Austin and like watch some professional soccer earlier than I expect to see, you know, we're looking at June now. So for the chance to go see Austin FC play in March, absolutely. How about you? Yeah, I, I think, Again, I'm just eager to see them play in person, right? Um, you mentioned out at the Bold Stadium, which is, I think, one of the several reasons why it wouldn't happen. Austin FC is not going to want to play their first, like, game, their first game in Austin, not at the stadium. Like after all this time and after all the the work and energy that's been put in to get this stadium done and to get the stadium approved to even exist. They want that first game at that stadium to to go off with a bang, right? And so I think playing another game in town, especially kind of an exhibition one like that, maybe takes some of the luster off of that first game at Q2. Um, also, as what Mike Craven mentioned in his tweet, he said that his, his source told him that it's not possible and it's too late in the process to do it. That makes me think that they're probably finalizing a couple of a couple of other games um, and those are already in the works. And then just like preseason scheduling and like this stuff doesn't just get thrown together at the last minute. Right. Like they probably have a lot of other stuff coming down the pipeline right now. And it just wasn't going to be possible to do. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, so that stadium holds 5,000 people and I, you don't even know what the attendance would be like. Um, one thing I did see this week is that Houston announced that they are going to open at 30% capacity at their stadium which would be 6,000 people, which would be probably about typical for a Houston Dynamo match, no matter what. So I feel like they're really not out anything out of that. Um, 
but I can imagine how hot that ticket would be if they were playing at Bold Stadium in front of a max capacity of 1700. I mean, they would, that would, that would be kind of wild. Yeah. The, um, that Houston news is something I wanted to touch on. So I read that and like, like it kind of took the air out of me for a second. Cause it's like 30%. That's so low. I mean, I agree with it. I think it's a good idea, but it seems so low. But then I realized like, okay, that's 30% in April. If right. Austin's not playing until June, that number could go up a little bit. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can vaccination rollout re- enables Austin to to roll to have that first home game with a much higher number than thirty percent. Well, and I I read that sitting in my car in line at the uh, football stadium in, in uh, Round Rock, waiting to get like my round one vaccine. So it was very real to me for me to read that. So um, <laughs> and I, so the other the other context for that is I think last year they were at fifteen percent. So I mean that's some progress, right? They've gone from fifteen to thirty. And then, yeah, Austin's a couple months off, and I figure there will be a lot more that will develop between now and then. And then Dallas, at the time, hadn't announced what they were going to do. And I, don't, I don't think they have since then either. But, um, you know, maybe we'll get to 50 or 75, I think, would be good um, to open the season. Who knows? It's it's. But uh, if you could ask me two months ago what I expected to – whether I'd be expected to be in the stadium in June, I probably would have said no. So like, I feel a lot more positive now than I did then. Yeah. It seems like kind of the news coming out of health officials and stuff. If like today it seems impossible that we're going to get to see a game in June. And then the next day it's like, Oh, maybe we'll like, they, they just estimates keep changing based on new, new events and new information that comes to light. So I'm trying not to get my hopes up one way or another too much. And then uh, anything's a pleasant surprise at that point. Yeah, here on the beer, soccer, politics, and public health podcast that we've now <laughs> become over the last year, sadly. All right. In other Austin FC news, uh, we Austin FC has hired their English language color commentator, Michael LaHood. So, um, were you a were you familiar with Michael LaHood as a player or as a commentator? I was not either way around. Do you remember him either either as a player or announcer? No, it seems like most of his MLS career was really before I was paying that much attention. So he's he's kind of bounced back and forth between MLS and USL. Um, yeah, he, he did play for Chivas USA, which I know about, but I did I did not watch. <laughs> yeah. But so he, yeah, he played for them from 2009 to 2012, then the Union to 2016. But in between, he had stops at. USL, Carolina Dynamo, Miami FC, FC Cincinnati, and San Antonio FC. So he's he's been around here a little bit. And then most recently, he was the uh, TV analyst for Longhorn Network for UT Women's Soccer and then the ACC for ACC Men's Soccer. So I guess I've, I mean, I watched UT Women's Soccer, um, which I think it's probably okay that it's not super familiar. I wasn't like, oh, that soccer announcer is terrible. And yeah. so like, it's glad it's not him. If you forgot about a soccer announcer, it means he probably did a pretty good job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. He told good stories. He, he was unoffensive. Um, we talked to our, our friend Phil West about him, and Phil was really excited about him. Um, Phil wrote the a pretty good article for the Austin FC website um, about LaHood and his background, and he said he thought it was a great hire, said he was a frank and good conversationalist during the interview for the site, and then in the most revelatory part of it, Phil said, like, he also said I was smart, which, like, 
made me, <laughs> made me think I would like him, which is like true for all of us, right? My favorite person is somebody who's like, you're really smart and you ask good questions. Yeah. Uh, Lahoud and Adrian Healy actually announced the UT women's soccer game on TV the other night. So it looks like they're already getting out there and trying to build that chemistry. Um, I didn't, I meant to kind of watch a little bit of it to get an idea of what he's going to be like. And I didn't get a chance to, but um, just looking online, I've seen some pretty, pretty notable voices in the American soccer landscape, reach out and say like Austin FC made a really good hire in this one. So seems promising. I'm excited to, to hear what, what he can do uh, once, once we get those games started. Yeah. And he, they made, he made a really good video on the site too. He really seems to appreciate Austin the point Phil made, I think, is really good. Is he seems to understand that he's like got a lot to learn, and he's excited to do that, and excited to keep improving his skills and bringing his talent to the table. So, I think it's a good thing. You know, it's an interesting hire, which is which is always nice. Um, I imagine he's excited if if he's a someone who's eager to learn. I imagine he's very excited to be working next to to Adrian Healy, someone who's been in in the business for a really long time. Yeah, you couldn't have, you couldn't have a better influence than that. Do you want to go like another level down and talk a little academy soccer because we've got a few minutes left uh, yeah, to cover sure. here? Let's do it. So they're they're, they're off to a strong start, and then they beat Houston last week. What all three matches? They're undefeated, I believe, on the, in the spring season right now. Is that I correct? I think the U fifteen team is. I, I don't know about the younger levels. I don't know that they've put, the younger teams have played as many games as the U 15s but. Uh, yeah, the U15s have been really strong. I actually went out and watched uh, watched them play Rise FC, which is uh, are they Houston or San Antonio? They're Houston, right? They're Houston. Yeah, yeah. So it's a Houston club. Um, they came to town, and played up in Round Rock, and I went out and watched. And um, I I just I think back to the very first academy thing I went to like a year and a half ago or something like that with they had one team and they were the U14s at the time. And they just looked like a bunch of little boys out there. And you forget how, like how fast teenagers grow, right? Like they're all, half of them are tall, not half of them. Some of them are taller than me now. And just, just like look like real soccer players now. And I was, I was really impressed by, by how they looked the other day against rise. There, there's a few players that are, are very, very good. Yeah. It's, that's good. So uh, hopefully sometime over the next month or so, they'll move out to the St. Davis Performance Center and it'll be a little easier to go catch them. And then probably the same um, with the main club too. You know, I'd expect the next, you know, before too long, people will be able to maybe uh, catch some matches without being thrown out by security. <laughs> or not catch practice that be thrown out security and catch some matches too, uh, which would be nice and a, and a good place to move into. All right, let's... Uh... I think it's a good time to move on to our interview with Brad Stuver. So Brad, um, just like watching his online presence seems like a really good dude. And I think you're going to, that's going to come across in the interview. One of the reasons why we wanted to have Brad on specifically is he seemed to be kind of one of the driving forces behind the GoFundMe that the Austin FC players put together uh, during the winter storm a couple of weeks ago, um, he and his wife have been extremely involved and they kind of like, they showed that very much during that winter storm. We're sharing information. Here's resources for this kind of thing. If you need this kind of thing, here's where you can go. And they were just like very involved in trying to help as much as they could. Um, it was really cool to see not only them, but other players just jumping in and helping their new community, even though they haven't lived here very long. 
And I, I think Brad is, is just a, a prime example of that. So that's one of the reasons we wanted to talk to him, but um, seems like a really good dude. And I, yeah, I, I hope you guys enjoy this interview. Well, one thing that I didn't, I meant to ask him that I forgot too, that we can talk about briefly here is his wife. Did you read his wife's uh, chart on what constitutes a sandwich? Oh, <laughs> and do you have an opinion on it? Like, I, I meant to ask that. I forgot. I, I refuse to get into an argument about sandwiches. Okay. Just know is a hot dog a sandwich is basically the midpoint in the sandwich continuum. My and answer goes, is goes weird I, either way. My answer is I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do the interview then. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> Boom Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FVF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. FVF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. And we recently learned that the Austin Chronicle Best of um, Awards are open this year, and we would encourage you all to nominate or vote for FVF as the best personal injury law firm. It's the only one I know, so I feel like it's like a 100% opportunity that I'll probably nominate them for that. You can go to fvf.law to find out more about what makes FVF different and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that is fvf.law. Our guest today is Austin FC goalkeeper Brad Stuver. Brad, thanks so much for joining us, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Um, to get started with, uh, just tell us a little bit um, how you've enjoyed Austin so far. I know you all haven't been here long and it's been under kind of strange circumstances, but what do you think so far? Yeah, I was going to say we've uh, we've driven around the city. We've gone kind of on a, a driving tour of the city. We've gone South Austin, East Austin, West Austin, downtown, North Austin. And so far we love it. Uh, we're really looking forward to COVID being behind us so that we can thoroughly enjoy the city but uh it's been good so far outside of the snowpocalypse tell us a little bit about just your career and kind of the journey that brought you to austin yeah so i was drafted out of college to the montreal impact um in preseason they did not offer me a contract so i ended up my first year being a league pool goalkeeper i was uh stationed in columbus I bounced around to a couple of different teams that needed a goalkeeper throughout the year. Um, then the following year in 2014, Columbus picked me up and put, put me on the roster. Uh, 2014, I went out on loan to the USL, to the Dayton Dutch Lions, and then the Wilmington Hammerheads. Um, and then 2015, I was able to earn the second spot in Columbus. And then after four years, well, five years in Columbus, I moved on to New York City FC for three seasons, and now I'm here in Austin. We want to get into your time in New York, but I I saw earlier today, I was looking through kind of your bio about being a pool goalkeeper. Yeah. And that, that seems like an interesting position to me. What, <laughs> what was the shortest, like the shortest notice you ever got between playing a game and like being called to a team and going and playing a game? Uh, I had a go bag ready that year. Uh, <laughs> I think the quickest notice I had was 24 hours. 
Um, I got called. Normally, the team that needed you would call the league, and then league would call you, and basically said, "Here's your like, check your email. Here's the flight information. You'll be flying out of Columbus at tomorrow at this time." It's like, okay, cool. Tell my my then girlfriend, now wife, just saying, "Hey, I, I'm gone tomorrow. Good luck with everything. <laughs> Have fun." And then I was gone for an unknown amount of time. Uh, I was there with the team until they told me that they didn't need me anymore and sent me back to Columbus. So it was an interesting year, but it was cool. I got to, I got to play in front of a lot of different coaches. I got to see a lot of different teams. Uh, I mean, it was actually, it was actually kind of fun for the first year. Yeah. So for listeners, maybe we should have explained this, but for listeners who don't know, MLS keeps at least one pool goalkeeper for teams who um, have keepers injured and need somebody to fill in and they, they just have this reserve keeper to send out. So that's, that's kind of what he was talking about, but, uh, going back to your time in New York and then also in, in, um, uh, in teams before that you've had experience working with both Josh Wolf and with Claudio Reyna. Um, what makes each of them unique and kind of what, what have you seen them bring to, to the Austin project so far? I mean, both of them are amazing. Um, my time with Josh in Columbus, my time with Claudio in New York, both of them have very similar philosophies with the style of play that they want to see on the field. Um, it's very ball oriented. It's very possession based, but it's also really attack minded. Um, they want to see a lot of goals. They want to see a lot of movement and, uh, they demand a lot from their players. But the biggest thing for me is both Josh and Claudio both respect the players so much. They're, their experience as players has translated over to um, coaching and being a sporting director. They, uh, they understand what players go through on and off the field. Um, they understand how to get the best out of players and how to talk to them. So I was really excited when they teamed up here in Austin. And um, I know so far it's been amazing. And the group of guys we have is fantastic. Yeah. And that's the thing that we've heard a lot about Josh in particular is the way that is the way that he connects with players and really, you know, communicates, communicates with them. Is there anything, you know, neither one of them were, uh, were keepers. Like, is there, is there any, is there any totally different communication that, that, that y'all have? Is there like a translation that they have to go through to reach you? Or what does that sound like? Having <laughs> a keeper yeah. translator. <laughs> yeah. I mean, both of them are in the mindset that a keeper is just an extension of a field player. Um, they expect their goalkeepers to be field players. You look at guys like Steve Clark and Zach Steffen in Columbus. You look at Sean Johnson in New York. All these guys were expected to play with their feet so much. Um, when it comes to the goalkeeping aspect, they don't really chime in too much. We have Preston to help us with that aspect of it all. But uh, Josh and Claudio both want to talk to the goalkeepers and want them to understand everything we're doing on the field because the same principles that we put into practice with the midfielders and the defenders and the forwards is the same for the goalkeepers. Yeah. Well, how about you mentioned this a little bit in sort of figuring out Austin during a pandemic, I would imagine, you know, coming to an expansion team and a new city during a pandemic, like what's that been like? I, and how, how do you gel as a team sort of given all these sort of restrictions and the situation that we're in? Yeah, it's been interesting. I mean, as an expansion club, it's always difficult because everyone's coming from um, different markets and everyone's coming into a new city and the new city and learn their new teammates. 
but I think it's been pretty good. A lot of guys got into market pretty early. Uh, so throughout the voluntary sessions, we were able to get a little uh, rapport going. The season getting pushed back actually helped us a little bit as an expansion team. It gave us more time to get into market and kind of do those voluntary sessions. Um, but now just uh, being able to be together all in one place with the coaches and you start seeing the banter come out in the locker room. You start to see jokes being played on the field. It's been really good to see. And the guys are gelling really quick. Yeah. Um, oh, I was going to, we'll get into like the seriousness of the snowstorm um, before, but I just, one of the things I think we talked about on Twitter is, you know, you guys came to Austin expected it's probably going to be a hundred degrees, you know, all year round. And I think you've gotten like the two biggest winter storms we've had in the last 10 years, both in your two months there. I mean, how, how are you personally dealing with that with your expectations coming from in, from New York and then coming to Austin? I'm glad it happened when we first moved here because we're still used to snow. We're still used to cold weather. <laughs> so I'm glad it didn't happen like five years down the road when I'm fully acclimated. Uh, no, but it's been, it's been fine. I know the snowpocalypse was not great for the community and not great for the state as a whole. Um, but I mean, we made it through it and I think you saw how the guys came together to try and help the community as well, which I thought was amazing and glad to be a part of a group that, uh, is so forward thinking and helping the community that they play in. Yeah. And you, and y'all have seen the other side of that. Like you've had amazing training weather at the last, what this week too, right? Like this, this is the best we have to offer. For sure. <laughs> I mean, it's been great. I mean, if this is what Austin is supposed to be like weather-wise, I'm all in. Yeah, it's definitely going to get a little hotter. Uh, I was going to say, circle back, on, so when enjoy it. <laughs> circle back when it hits triple digits. We'll talk again then. Yeah, I had this boss from New Jersey, and the first year in Austin was like a mild summer, and he's like, oh, you guys just embrace the heat. I'm like, dude, you don't know. Like, you just, you got here once, and it was fine, but... um maybe, maybe don't get ahead of yourself. So, so your first, your first, I think your first official full team training was today, correct? Correct. It's a first official day of Austin FC soccer. That's that's awesome. And we were all excited by it. We've been following all the Instagram photos and video and all that stuff. So like, what does it look like for you as a player? What does the training day look like, you know, now? And then when you get closer to the season too? Yeah. So, I mean, right now, we're based out of the Fairmont until the uh, training facility gets fully operational. So we're in the Fairmont. Uh, guys are in between eight and nine. We can eat breakfast together between that time. Uh, guys get treatment with the medical guys. Uh, about nine o'clock, we start doing uh, like a little bit of activation just to get the body going, get the body moving. Uh, normally we have a team meeting in the morning. Josh wants to talk to the guys all together talk about tactics, talk about what we're doing that day, talk about video that we have from previous training sessions. Um, then we head out to the field. We're on the field for hour and a half, two hours, uh, head back to the hotel, shower up, eat, um, might have more meetings in the afternoon. Uh, twice a week, we're in the gym, uh, doing double days, uh, but then guys just get treatment. But uh, being here in Austin, being able to stay in market, everyone's able to go home at night and be with their families, sleep in their own bed. Uh, so it's been pretty nice. Pretty weird for a preseason. 
to be honest, but it's been good. I know you mentioned a little bit about kind of team dynamics. Uh, one thing that I was curious to ask you about is that Austin FC now has, I think, four or five guys that were captains on their old teams and then several other people like yourself who were clearly very well respected among the teams and among fans in their at their former clubs. So is that been um, is that has that had an obvious effect on the team gelling so far? Yeah, I think it's really important. Like you said, we've had former captains, um, but we have a lot of guys that have been around the league and we have a lot of like previous connections. Like a lot of the guys here have had connections with each other throughout the years. Um, so, I mean, it's made it really easy just to kind of walk into the locker room and just set the tone right away. We're all able to hold each other accountable on the field, hold each other accountable off the field. And I think that's really important because especially in a new year, um, not everything's going to go extremely well. I mean, it's a first year, like expansion clubs are all different, but I think we have the leadership within the locker room to like, when things are going good, we're not going to get too high. And when things are going bad, we're not going to get too low. We're going to be able to weather the storm when we have to. So it's been really good. And uh, having that many guys in the locker room that are um, willing to take charge, it's great. And it's definitely good for the younger guys to see the older uh, veterans just kind of taking charge and leading by example. So going back to um, the the snowstorm that we were mentioning earlier, it was very obvious that you and your wife have both kind of jumped into being active in the community and and really like sharing information and helping out where you could. And then also uh, the fundraiser that, um, that the players put on, it seemed that you and uh, Beasler were some of the first people to kind of start getting that ball rolling. Can you tell us a little bit about um, being active among the fans and among the community and, and what that means to you? Yeah, uh, my wife Ashley and I have always had this idea that we wanted to give back to the community that we lived in. Um, it's just been something that we enjoy doing and we feel is really important to do. Um, I mean, we started things in Columbus that we carried with us into New York and we hope to bring here to Austin. And I think as a team, you could see through the GoFundMe that this team is dedicated to the community. And I think that's really important. I think the connection between the community and the team, it makes everything better. It makes, it makes everything feel more authentic. It makes the players feel like they're part of something more than just soccer. It makes the fans feel like they're part of the club so much more. Um, getting to know the players, getting to know the fans, I think is going to be an important thing this year because when we win, we all win. And I, that feeling is nothing better when you can win with the guys in the locker room, but also all of the fans that are uh, cheering you on. Yeah, I, I knew that um, just interactions online, I could tell that the New York fans really respected you. And uh, I reached out. So uh, backstory, there, there was a couple of years where I was traveling to New York quite a bit for work. And I got to know uh, Alexis and Christian from the Cooligans <laughs> fairly well. And so I reached out to them hoping they could give me like a funny story or like something embarrassing about you. And they're like, ah, oh, we don't really have anything, but he's a good dude. You, y'all got a good one. So they, I, 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 I can tell that the New York folks really respect you. I was hoping the Cooligans didn't have anything on me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they wouldn't have held back if they did. So oh, I, 100% they would have told you anything they had. So <laughs> So, uh, being a goalkeeper, um, you're often the most, like the closest 
player to the fans, uh, what is that experience like? And like, do you hear the crowd or do you kind of zone out and, and tune it out? Or what is that like? Uh, so, I mean, during the game, you definitely hear things. Uh, you try and learn to block most everything out. But uh, I mean, you definitely hear things. People take it to different levels. But <laughs> for me, it's just I've always found a way to just laugh at it because some fans do their research and pull things from your social media accounts. And they're like, Oh, how's that dinner that you and Ashley had the other night? Your food looked awful. And you're just like, what did you do last night that you found my Instagram? Is this how you spend your free time? (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's funny. Like the back and forth between the fans is always fun during warmups. I was joking around with, uh, Beasler a little bit because Kansas City is one of my favorite places to play because the fans are just right on top of you and during warm-up anytime you let the ball in you just turn around and you see everybody laughing at you and it's just (laughs) it's really funny if you take if you don't take it too seriously it's good if you take it too seriously you can let it affect like how you play but it's a you kind of get used to it We'll have to get you and the you and the other keepers to do like a training session with the supporters section, <laughs> and you can give tips on how to get into keepers' heads. Uh, I love that. We can do that. Yeah, that's a great idea. We can figure that out. Is there is there anybody else that's really good at that beyond Kansas City? Hmm. I mean, obviously Portland is just a crazy environment. It's just super loud. That one, it just kind of drowns out. You don't really hear the fans as much. Uh, Minnesota, you hear people a lot. Uh, Minnesota's new stadium, you hear guys a lot. RSL, you hear the fans. I'm trying to think. There's, I think the worst place is Orlando. I think <laughs> Orlando's the worst. And that's just because there's nothing clever about what gets yelled at you in Orlando. <laughs> it's just pure berating you it's just, for absolutely no reason. It's just like Florida but, man. It's like a stadium full of Florida man's then, huh? Is that, is that what it is? Yeah. I mean, there were examples, I think it was a couple years ago. They started, the fans started yelling at their own players. It wasn't even like they were yelling <laughs> at the other team and their, their own player. It was after a loss and like their players started yelling at the fans, the fans started, it, they they don't hold back whether you're on their team or not. They don't hold back. Well, I have I have one more Twitter question before Landon X probably asks a real question. So your your parents think follow in interact <laughs> with both of us on Twitter, and I want to know like is it your mom or your dad that is the primary owner of that account, and how do they feel about us? Because I feel like I want to know. They were excited today when we tweeted about this interview coming up. I was gonna say. I mean, as you see, it's both of them on the name i think my mom is a little more active on it i think she's better with the social media than my dad is um yeah i think i think it might be my mom but yeah she was really excited about austin so she was trying to find the people that talk about the club the most and we're following everybody they could (laughs) it made us a little bit nervous knowing that a player's parents might be listening to our show because like Ah. There's gonna there's gonna come times where we'll need to be critical of players. And Don't worry about it. Like, you can talk shit about me all you want. My, <laughs> my family's not gonna care. Believe me, anything you guys say, my parents will tell me ten times worse. Oh, you letting <laughs> that goal, huh? Mm, that was a little 
a little suspect, Brad. Uh, oh, thanks. that's brutal. Appreciate that's brutal. Okay, we know we know that your your parents are gonna do worse than us, so we're not gonna hold back <laughs> on you. Um, biggest fans and biggest critics all at one time. That's good. That's good. Um, I wanted to ask one more question about the kind of the squad. So, is I know that you said that you're familiar. You're already familiar with a lot of these guys just from being around the league or having played with them before or something like that. Is there any like one particular player that you've that you weren't familiar with that you've seen in training that has really impressed you? Well, obviously, I haven't had any connection with the the three players that came from Paraguay, um, Cecilia, Rodney, and Johan. Um, it's been great getting to know them, and in training, you can definitely see all three of their quality. You can see why we went out and bought Cecilio and brought him in on a DP salary. Uh, I'm excited to see how he grows into the league and uh, helps us win games. Um, I don't know. It's a really good group. Even the guys, like, doesn't matter what guy it is. You can really talk about him forever. Um, Danny Hosen up top. Uh, I mean, you got Danny Perea learning the ropes behind ring. Uh I mean, Burhalter just came in, he's trained with us for a couple of days. You got, I could go through the entire roster, really. I'm really excited about this group. Uh, everyone has been putting in the work, putting their head down, and uh, it's going to be really fun once we actually get some games going. All right. Do you have any other questions, Jeremiah, before we wrap up? No, I just want to say it's really going to be, it's going to be really fun for us too, because we've been <laughs> excited and like working toward and waiting for this for a long time. And we're, from what I can tell, and, and we, we covered this, it seems like, you know, Claudia has put together like a really, a, like a really great group of people and like a pretty, and a skilled team too at the same time. Like it'd be great if y'all are like all awesome people, but not, not very good at soccer, but like, it seems like we've got, <laughs> we've got a pretty good combination of both, which is fans. We really appreciate. Yeah. I think, I mean, Claudio is one of the best at what he does. And I think Josh is, really had the experience to kind of balance both of those. I think what they were able to do, they were able to go out and get guys that were going to put their head down. They were going to work. They understand the league and they also have the skill to play the way that Josh wants to play. So, I mean, it's a learning process for a lot of people to learn the way Josh wants to play. Uh, we just have to gel as a team and get things going. But even through the voluntary sessions into the first day of preseason today, you can see like those those ideas that Josh has are already coming out on the field because the guys are buying in and they want to play and they're putting in the work. So, I mean, I'm really excited and I think this group has, uh, has a lot of potential. So. Awesome. That's exciting to hear. Um, well, thanks so much for joining us, Brad, best of luck with the rest of preseason and going into the start of the season. And yeah, thanks for doing this. Yeah. I appreciate it guys. Hopefully talk to you guys after we play some games. Sounds <laughs> great. Thanks man. Yep. See you guys. Bye. All right. We want to thank Brad Stuver one more time for joining us. Seems like a really good dude. And we wish him the best of luck in preseason and, and going on into the season. We'd like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'd also encourage you to visit the Striker Texas website where you can find uh, Chris Bill's articles on Kolmanich and Berhalter, the new players, as well as lots of other Austin FC news and as well as news from all across the Texas soccer landscape. And we'd like to remind you, if you want to continue the conversation uh, on Twitter, check us out uh, at jbentley underscore ATX or LVAHero87. And I feel like 
we've gotten a lot more uh, engagement there lately. So really have enjoyed that um, with some friends of ours and some new people who kind of want to chat about what's going on with Austin FC as the season becomes more and more real. And we're five weeks out now from having our first match. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, y'all keep, keep bringing questions, talking to us, talking trash, whatever you want to do. We love it. It's been a lot of fun. Um, if you want to also, if you're not on Twitter and you want to engage with us somewhere else, that's great too. If you do it on Facebook, I will respond and talk to you. It'll probably just be like a week later because I don't look at Facebook very much, but, uh, I try to get, get on there and give some love to the Austin FC group on there as well. Sometimes. Yeah, and if you do it on Reddit, I will respond too, but I don't, I'm not even sure. I remember remember my own username, so just <laughs> it'd be some guy that sounds like me that, that's answering your questions. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Moon Tower Soccer. We'll be back in one week with more of the latest Austin FC news. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. When no one is around.